everyone. Welcome back to Gab with Gwen podcast. This is your girl Gwen and we are going to be reviewing I May Destroy You episode five in this bonus episode and I have my friend Miss Trinity here as usual to help talk about the fuckery as usual. <laughs> What's up everybody? Hey. All right so Trinity started off. Where do we begin? All right so this episode starts with Arabella having a dream of hooking up with Biagio. Maybe it was just like her reminiscing about the first time, I don't know. But when she wakes up, she's next to Zane. So I don't know how many days we are after their initial hookup. (laughs) But they seem to, you know, be moving along down whatever road this is. It seems like it wasn't just like a one night stand. It seems like they actually like each other and they're hooking up. Um, Wait, so hold on. I have a question. I have a question. I have a pause. Because I wasn't sure. And I watched this twice because I told y'all I got to watch stuff twice now because it's too much detail. I wasn't sure. Was this the next morning? Like, was this a continuation like of the night walking from getting the morning after pill plan B and they ended up at his place because her bra was the same. So I couldn't tell if this was just a long ass night or if they've been kicking it for a while. I don't have an idea of what this is. Yeah, you're right. It's hard to tell. I I interpreted it as maybe they've been hooking up for like a couple more times, but it very well could have been the the following evening. I don't know. That's a good point. That's a really good point. But um, so she rolls out of bed and she ends up doing some like yoga type classes from her cell phone or whatever. Um, So she's there doing it. He's still laying in bed. He finally gets up. And, you know, they're joking around and they're flirting. Their interactions make it seem like they are really into each other. Like, it just wasn't from the night before that they first hooked up. But, you know, he's being really cute with her or whatever. And um, he then says he's about to go hop into the shower. So as he's in the shower, she starts scrolling through a bunch of different podcasts. And she comes across one called Tea and Two Chicks. Now, I didn't check to see if this was a real podcast or not. I know the first one she looked at, the Receipts podcast, is an actual real podcast. But the second one, I don't know if it is, but she finds an episode entitled, it looked like the title was Condom Removal. So she starts listening to it, and the two women are talking about an instance where one of the women had a guy secretly take off a condom, and then she mentions that there are Reddit forums where men share tips about how to do this. And they, you know, have these common phrases that they use, like, I thought you knew, and oh, you didn't feel it. So now that sheds some light on Zane gaslighting Bella with those same tactics. So she starts putting two to get two and two together. And as he's coming out of the shower to come and talk to her, she bolts out of his apartment. And the girl only has her underwear on, his dress shirt, and that was it. She didn't even have any shoes on. No and she just runs out of the apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she passes a store. I don't know what kind of store it was, but she ends up buying some pants and some boots. And then she heads straight to her hairdresser. So now <laughs> she's sitting at her hairdresser. The bad wig is gone. We see that, you know, her hair is in cornrows, whatever. And she's talking to her hairdresser about what to do with her hair. But hold on, hold on. Before we do this, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's Mm -hmm. pause. So when he's in the shower, she's hearing this podcast. She's obviously getting like a realization, like a epiphany that, oh shit, this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. And then she bolts. 
I think it's interesting that she has to hear a podcast for her to think that because I said in the last episode that that's happened to me and there weren't podcasts like the way they are now. And it didn't take me hearing it to know it was wrong. You know what I mean? Like it felt wrong in the moment and made me side-eye that motherfucker. Like I side-eyed him like, yo, what? So for her to be able to so easily just be like, okay, cool. And like I said, I explained it there where, you know, listen, it, it is a gray area and women, a lot of times we are coaching men through how to treat us and this becomes a conversation even in that situation because it was consensual and you're trying to get to know the guy but Mm -hmm. I also thought like like you were just only upset in that particular moment like it didn't bother you after that I thought that was a little surprising like it took the podcast for you to be like oh something about this is wrong now who's to say that he went down on a reddit forum and did all of that no i already went to a diatribe if you guys want to know my feelings about how this all looks and the the male logic behind this shit based on my own experience you can listen to the past episode on on episode four but so it struck me as like wait so girl you chilling this whole time and you you have not been side-eyeing this motherfucker at all like at all and it took the podcast it took the podcast like i was like okay okay bella for real you know what I think? I think because, like we mentioned in the last episode, for in the last episode for episode four, um, she felt really comfortable with him, and I think that that also kind of clouded her judgment in a sense, where she was like, "I feel comfortable. This is after everything. Most everything in her life now triggers some her to have flashbacks of her assault. So her kind of being able to lose herself within this new guy." she was able to look past it. And I think that it wasn't necessarily just hearing about the fact that, you know, these two women were talking about, oh, guys remove condoms and it's happened to me before. I think it was the fact that, you know, men are kind of getting coaching, they're coaching each other on how to do it. I think that's probably what really freaked her out and set her off and was like, I got to get away from this dude. Yeah, I mean, I agree, I agree. And I also think that she is trying to avoid her own real emotions. Mm-hmm. because it starts with her fantasizing about Biagio, Melissa Bay, okay, Melissa Boo, <laughs> hey, Biagio, okay, hey, Biagio. And then she rolls over and she sees this flunky in her bed. He ain't, listen, he ain't no Biagio. I'm saying it, he ain't no Biagio. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, you're a little bit escaping, like, just trying to replace one brown dude for the next. And this dude is not Biagio, girl. So I just want to say that, okay. I just want to say that. <laughs> like, he ain't he's Biagio. definitely not Biagio. No, like, it was corny, and he's just, no, no, no. And even the lighting and the scene and the sex scene with her and Biagio is just intimate, and mm-hmm. she's enjoying it, and it's, it's just it's a whole other vibe. And then this cornball, like he said, London guys are shit. This cornball in the bed, Indian babysitter Zane. So, anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I mean, it, it jolted her enough to run out without putting shoes or pants on. So this girl, she's a trip. I know. Yes. So then go ahead. She's at the hair appointment. So yeah, now she's at her hair appointment trying to figure out what she wants to do with her hair because she's so impulsive. Um, but while she's sitting in the hairdresser's chair, she gets a call from her editors that they want to meet her... I think it was at 3 p.m. or something like this. So she had three hours from the time when they were calling her. Said that they needed her to come to the office because the owner of the publishing company, Susie Henney, wanted to have a meeting with her 
to talk about the book. So she's like, all right, cool, no problem. I'll definitely be there. Um, and I want to pause here. I want to pause. Even... Yeah. I want to pause, though. Yeah. Before we get to the next piece, I had thoughts. As a Black woman okay. who has spent many a Saturday in a hairdresser, not now because of COVID, but many a hairdresser, right. you can't agree to be no place in three hours if the woman just took off your bad pink wig, girl. A Black hair salon <laughs> is a whole day affair. So I said, what are we talking about? Because you can't be no place in three hours. Okay, so some of you guys are not Black. And you're like, yeah, my hair appointment is long. So you don't understand. Black church and a Black hairdresser, these are all day things. Okay, these are all day, all day events. affairs. And so I was like, how is she committing to be someplace when she just got to the hairdresser? Second thing, when she took off the pink bad wig, underneath it was... Mm. Supposed to be serving realness <laughs> with cornrows that were like, you know, chunky and old, but it still looked like another bad wig. So that's coming on to the count. Okay. So that was another bad wig on the count. count, Gwen. Yes. And that fake realness cornrows rig underneath reminded me, I can't remember which Tyler Perry movie that Shamara Moore was in with some bad cornrow wig. Oh my God. It was the same. It was the same back row week. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. I wish I remembered what the movie was. <laughs> so I just want us to pause right here. I want us to pause because hair moments. We gotta. I, I told y'all I'm keeping track of the bad hair count. And actually, I realized I was one off. All right, because I actually went back and watched episodes one through three. And I realized I was off. So I, I, let's just quickly, I want to just do a quick little bad wig count to keep us all up to par. Just keep us on track. All right. <laughs> Episode one. The first bad wig is the pink wig that we continue to see until this moment in the hairdresser. I don't double count them, by the way. They only count one time. So the pink wig <laughs> was that. Okay. Second bad wig we saw was cat. Woo! And actually, when I went back and watched mm. it, it was worse than I remember. Okay. Cat's bad, so bad wig. Yeah, Cat's wig was bad. I forgot to count Terry's wig in that first episode, by the way. So that Terry's wig was the third bad wig in that episode. I forgot. Then the girl mm-hmm. on the street who saw her and they were like reciting lines from the book. That was a bad mm-hmm. wig. And then the fifth bad wig was the girl who put her in the car when after she had gone to the book people and didn't know what the hell she had written. Um... That was the fifth bad wig. So episode one just came out swinging with <laughs> five terrible wigs, right? It's the second fan. Now, the thing about it was that, like I said, shout out to Alyssa because she had a bald head. And anybody else, basically anybody else, who if I didn't count your wig, you weren't wearing a wig, basically. So if you weren't wearing a wig, it wasn't <laughs> bad because every wig has been bad so far. So that was episode one, which took us to five wigs. Then Episode two is with Terry's in the same wig um, as episode one. And Bella has the same wig as well. And I don't think we see anyone else new. So does does Kat. So there's no new wigs there. And the officer has like a natural. So there's no wigs to count in episode two. Episode three takes us to Italy. And this is where Arabella has a purple wig. Although you and Jay said it's better, better condition. I've already, you guys can go listen to that. I've already say why it makes a bad wig count. Terry has on a wig there too. Ooh, with too many slick down edges, that's a bad wig there too. 
Okay. There were only two women really in that episode. So there were no additional wigs there. The last episode that we meet Indian babysitter and everybody else, Terry and Arabella are still wearing the same wigs. There isn't anyone else to my knowledge. The therapist had a natural too. There was no wig on. So we are still at seven at this point. So I just want to make but sure. But now we're want... counting the cornrows. Oh, yes. But now we're counting <laughs> the cornrows. The Shamar Moore cornrows. Tyler Perry <laughs> cornrows. As... Diary of a Mad <laughs> Black Woman, by the way, was the movie. Yes. That... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I laughed at you guys. I just want you oh to know that the realness they were serving with those cornrows just reminded me of another wig. So bad wig number eight was the Shamar Moore cornrow wig. Okay. So we are now up to eight bad wigs on episode five. Sorry. I just need to do this little aside while we're in the hairdresser. Seemed like the most appropriate place to talk about it. <laughs> Gotta keep track. Yes. We're on eight for everyone's you know, viewing pleasure. Go ahead. <laughs> Trinity. <laughs> I love it. Um, Okay, so after she gets the call from her publishing company, she then gets another call. And this one is from Detective Funmi, telling her that um, she has an update on the rape case. So we cut directly from the hairdresser. Now we jump right to the police station. We see why she was able to get out of there so quickly, Gwen. Yes, because because we've yeah. gotten a moment of refreshment and enlightenment. <laughs> and it looks like the only way to not get on this bad wig list is just to not have a fucking wig on, okay? <laughs> so the only way you don't make this bad wig list that what is created is to not have a wig on. And now she's shaved her hair like to a brush cut, like a fade short as well. Just like Anissa. Yes. Shout out to the Baldies. My goodness. I mean, UK, you guys have a lot going on. For you to tell me we have a dichotomy of bad wig versus bald, like there's no happy medium here. We can't get something in between. I mean, you could say those naturals are fine, but what is up with the hair budget on this show? (laughs) Like I keep saying, what is up with the hair budget? Because this is trauma. This is traumatizing me. (laughs) I'm sorry. Look, they gotta they gotta route that money to other things. So hair HBO, y'all could do better. Or BBC, BBC, you need to coordinate with your HBO counterparts in the states and figure out how much they allot in the deal for hair budget because y'all are doing them dirty. I'm sorry, but anyway, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> nope, it's all good. So now she's there. She's in the um in the room with the two officers, the two same ladies that were working the rape case from. Um, the earlier episodes, and she is not only with Kwame this time, but Terry is also there showing her support. So I guess big ups to that, I, I guess. I have no idea. Um, I still feel like their relationship is not what it used to be after Italy. But so Detective Woodney has stated that um, the forensic unit ended up finding traces of semen on all the different clothing that Arabella had given them. So they're going to log it in the DNA database But she states to her that the sample was so weak that the only way that they're going to be able to fully lock in a match is if they do a direct comparison. Mm -hmm. So she drops the bomb that they have a potential suspect in custody because they arrested him. So they're going to be able to take a sample from him. Um, 
And she also mentions that she contacted Simon and the three friends end up giving each other a look like, oh boy. But she said it was all good and that both Simon and DeRay, Mr. Bad American Accent, Mm -hmm. um, are fully cooperating with the police. We don't really know what that full cooperation means because Mm -hmm. they could be lying through their teeth. We have no idea. Mm -hmm. But um, they've given the detectives all the information that they've requested. Um, and so now it is up to Arabella to rule out all of her consensual partners. So that means that she now needs to contact her Med- Middle Eastern day, Middle Eastern boo, mm-hmm. Biagio, mm-hmm. to get his sample. So she needs to provide his contact number to the police. Mm-hmm. So now <laughs> Bella reveals the fact that she has not told him yet. She talks to him every day, but she hasn't told him yet. And Terry looks at her and she's all like, still? And I remember Bella saying, no, Terry, sparkling. And I was like dying laughing because even in these moments where everything's supposed to be really serious, I feel like they do a good job at interjecting like little moments of comedy and humor. But hold on. But Terry says, well, they're like, why not? And Terry's like, well, she's going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, he's an Italian drug lord. And then she's like, I'm just joking. I was like, okay. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why? Why would you? Why would you say that to the police? Like, there's no need. Mm, mm, mm. But she's a hater. So <laughs> we already know this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she starts to fle- Abella starts deflecting and she's like, yeah, 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 I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Um, and then she starts joking, you know, about the fact that they figured they got their suspects so quickly. She's like, are you the popo or are you the rape busters? So then she starts making jokes about that. Hold on. I have to be honest. When she said the rape busters, though, it was awkward, but I did holler. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did holler. I, I, I cackled. And then, and they were like joking. Like she and she's like, Bella Bow, she's like, I was doing my civic duty. And she's like, who I'm going to call? And then Terry's like, rape busters. I was like, y'all are the rape fucking Buster. worst. <laughs> I could not with the two of them. Sorry. That was just, you know, interjecting some dark humor, but that shit was hilarious. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but then you look, if you look at Kwame, you can see, like, he's super quiet. Mm-hmm. And you can see him kind of processing basically what happened to him and mm-hmm. if he should do something about it. Because, you know, they've been able to make so much traction with Bella's case. Maybe if he were to speak up about what happened to him. But he also doesn't know. He's conflicted. He's not sure, you know, how to handle it. So as the three of them are walking out of the room, um, the other detective, I forget her name. Um, but the, the white lady, she ends up stating that, you know, it's not necessarily just thanks to the police and what they're able to accomplish, but the fact that she reported everything so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bella notes that, you know, she wasn't even aware of all the different types of sexual assault. And so she then quickly mentions, how does condom removal fit into this? Mm-hmm. Which I was like, hmm, okay, so she's putting that together. And then they confirm that that's also considered rape. So now you see Kwame in the background, like, oh, shit, is it? Mm-hmm. And so now you see him further processing what the hell to do. Um, and then the other detective then mentions again, she's like, you know, that's the problem is when people don't know what a crime really is. They right. fail to report it. And then that's how so many people get away with doing it to not only those people, but God knows how many other people down the line they end up committing the same acts against. Mm-hmm. Um, so as they're walking out, Doc, uh, Detective Winmi comments on Bella's you new ball head flex, mm-hmm. and then Terry ends up calling her Brittany. And I'm guessing like this is 2009 Brittany. I forget what Brittany it was that shaved off all of her hair and had the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Yes, Brittany. Sh- yes, Brittany <laughs> shaving off. We remember whatever year it was. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, and then you see Kwame on his phone, and he starts 
googling non-consensual humping mm-hmm. yeah trying to figure that out so bella has to run because she now has to go meet with her editors when she told them that she was going to be there on time so she's got to go jet to that and then terry then you know they end up saying bye or whatever she runs off terry turns to kwame and she's like and she jokes about like yo you're not able to find anybody in the area mm-hmm. just another dig at him and his you know excessive grinder use yeah, and I thought that was very poignant because, again, I didn't catch it the first time, but the second time, I was like, okay, so clearly he's always trolling for Dick, like, all the time. No matter where he is, he's trolling for Dick. Not, and I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm justifying anything because everything that happened, you know, what happened to him was wrong. Seeing his behavior and, you know, what he's been doing, it, you know, it's risky and unfortunately it caught up with him, unfortunately, you know, terribly. So, but yeah, he's staying on Grinder. We saw him in, you know, with Nana getting groceries and then <laughs> next thing we know he was on the knees you know in, in the bathroom stall <sighs> it's a lot it's a lot but he's definitely I guess trying to figure out it seems like he's trying to figure out if he should report it or not based on what the detective said based on what he's googling whether that's rape or not so fine we then cut to Bella's editors the two editors and now you see the owner of the publishing company, Susie Henney, and another lady sitting in the office talking to each other, um, awaiting for Bella's arrival to show up. And so, like, the editors are kind of dancing around why Bella still hasn't finished her book yet because the publisher's like, you know, I'm trying to get this out. What's the holdup? Why aren't you kind of helping her along with things? Uh-huh. So Bella finally arrives and she's introduced to Susie Henney and she's, like, in shock and awe because... The owner of the publishing company is a black woman. Mm-hmm. And Bella definitely was not expecting that at all. Um, so she starts freaking out and still like, you know, trying to figure it out and trying to basically just process the fact that, damn, I'm working for a black woman. She wasn't expecting it. Um, Susie Henny comments on her shaven head as well. So and saying how good it looks. Um, so then she asks her, you know, what's going on? Why haven't you finished writing yet? because she really wanted Bella to take part in um, some sort of writing summit that's going to happen in a couple days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bella then looks over at her editors quizzically because she's like, why doesn't she know what happened to me and what's been holding up my writing with regards to the sexual assault, mm-hmm. if you guys know. So right. for whatever reason, they've kept it from her. Mm-hmm. So the first time I watched that, I didn't, that whole exchange, I didn't really, if you're not paying attention, you guys, you got to watch this show close, okay? Because the first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I didn't pick up all that. And again, I actually didn't realize from episode four in the beginning that the book company was paying for her therapy. So presumably they knew. So now this whole interaction is so different if you're looking at it through that lens versus not mm-hmm. right because I thought like oh shit she's just on the spot now and nobody else knew and I when I first saw it I thought everybody was learning about it for the first time but that's not what happened those guys Julian and the mean lady knew and that's why she's looking at them like yo why doesn't Susan know so that was interesting and even when Susie was waiting for Arabella to arrive who by the way still has on the the haphazard outfit she has with Zane's shirt <laughs> and the random clothes she bought in the store. There is like a moment, like you, you gotta, God, you guys have to really watch this closely. There's a moment where she asked Julian what happened. He's like, oh, there was an underestimation of what needs to be done. 
And she's like, on mm-hmm. whose part? Hers or yours? And Julian right. stumbles and bumbles forward. So they're keeping stuff away from Susie Henny. And Arabella is happy to see it's a black lady. And then you know, there's this moment, you know, to find out. Although I, I do want to, I know I'm pausing here again. When my sister and I talked about this, the reaction, she was laughing about the reaction with Arabella seeing that she was black. You know, is that how we <laughs> react when we see a black person in power? Like, is that how we and Internally, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Usually maybe not so outwardly, but a lot of times we're like, oh, shit, go ahead go ahead, you know, like you're a little bit excited to see it because we don't always see black people in position of power. So we are proud. And like, look, I always say all skin folks can folk. So it doesn't mean that Susie is going to be on her side and we don't know, but it is just great to not always see us at the bottom because it's so, so hard. So of course she was super excited. Um, And you could tell that Susie was also trying to push forth Arabella as a black woman too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she definitely supports her and wants to get that book out to kind of keep Arabella's momentum going. That's that's kind of the vibe you get from Susie's interactions with them. Yeah. So sorry, um, I interrupted. So Go no, ahead. No, 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 it's all good. You made awesome points there. And we're going to have some more to discuss in a second because in walks Mr. Zane now. Mm-hmm. And so this throws Bella for a loop because clearly from her quick departure this morning from his place, she's trying to avoid him. But now he's here. And he's shocked that she's there because remember, you know, Bella's kind of um, inclusion in this meeting was very last minute because Susie Henny requested her to show up there. Um, and so now we see the lady sitting next to Susie Henny. Her name is Sean. And it turns out that she works at the summit and she instantly recognizes Zane. But you can tell that it's kind of frosty, their reception. Like she's not necessarily happy to see him. But they both do definitely know each other. He tries to play it off about knowing her, but then she confirms to him that, yeah, you know, I'm that person that you're thinking of. So now we're back to Bella and um, she kind of turns to him, you know, she mentions that she wasn't aware that he was going to be at the meeting and that she was running so late because she was at the police station. And everybody kind of like looks around and is like, what? And so she now drops the bomb to Susie Henny. And to Zane as well, that she was recently raped. But the way that she said it, she said it so casually. Like, she's like, you know, yeah, you know, I was sexually assaulted, I was raped, so that's why I had to go there. And so she says, you know, I even know the, the perpetrator's name. And she pauses for like a split second. And then she says, Zane, and I forget what his last name is. But Tariq. she says his full name. Zane so, Tariq. Tariq. Yeah. so she says, Zane Tariq. And then she pauses again, ever so slightly. And she says, you know, thank you so much for all of your help. So it seems when you watch it and you pick up on those subtleties of her pausing and everybody saying, wait, it's Zane. And then her pulling it back and saying, thank you. And then you see his eyes bug out when he hears his name attached to being a rapist. And you're kind of wondering what's happening here, but it's played out so well. So, you know, she thanks him for helping her with the book and giving her notes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Bella, and then just kind of smiles it off. So but can we okay, can we whatever. pause here though? That yeah, scene, that interaction though of her like telling something serious, pausing and saying his name, and then just skipping over, like playing it off like a joke. 
that shit is not American humor, okay? Because an American no. would have been offended as fuck. So I, you know, this is where I, people are probably like, what? I think Americans sometimes may not know how to take this show because that is not like an American sensibility. Like you cannot joke like that at all. That's offensive to even joke to say his name like that. Mm-hmm. Also, that type of joke would just not even fly. And she wasn't joking because she was telling the truth, but then joking. So it makes it hard because people are probably like, well, okay, well, was that the truth or not? She was telling the truth, right? Because Julian and the mean lady knew it was the truth. I don't know if Susan knew she was joking or not in that moment, right? Because she says it seriously Mm -hmm. and she's like, I know his name, Zane. So like, what the fuck is that? I think there's an opportunity to be, have a very real conversation and, it's like, okay, they found traces of DNA. I went to the police, but then it's hard and keep it pushing. Putting Zane's name in there, that's not funny. I was like, ooh, ooh like record scratch. It was, yeah. You know, making light of it in that moment. Yeah, for sure. That was very British humor, straight up. Americans, that shit, Americans probably look like, what the fuck? Because that shit was like, I was like, hmm? And then they kind of just like skip over it. And the woman tells her, okay, well, get back to work. <laughs> Right. But then what I picked up from Susie Henning's comment where she says, yeah, you better get back to work because I want to see that story. Mm-hmm. I thought she meant the story of the sexual assault. Right. So was she joking or was she being serious? Well, I think she's a businesswoman. She wants to see the damn work. So whatever your motivation is, if it's, <laughs> it's did rape or whatever not, I need to see some results. I want to see some output. Okay. So that's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So now Susie Henny again is saying, Bella, turning to Bella, and she's saying, well, you know, she wanted Bella to read an excerpt of her new book at the summit. Um, but then Arabella's like, you know what? I'm not really comfortable doing that, but I have a friend that I think would want to do it. And that's just, you know, Arabella just being the best friend, looking out for her homie, knowing that Terry's an actress, and this will be good exposure for her. She's keeping her in the back of her mind and saying, you know, I can do that. And so I found this exchange to be really, really interesting because Susie Henney starts asking her and she's like, well, is she as, is she of a similar background than you? Similar education? Is she white, basically? I and I was like, no, she's not white. And she's like, great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, damn, way to make the three white people sitting with you at this table feel mad uncomfortable. <laughs> Well, I but thought, I, it, I was like, wait, hold on. Is this is that what it's like to be a Black person in power? Is that what you can do? <laughs> is that what it's like to be the HNIC, okay? The head Negro in charge. Absolutely. All right? I was like, I want to be the head Negro in charge one day, okay? <laughs> Let me say some <laughs> off-the-wall shit. Let me say publicly in my, my place of work. Can I do that? Because white people can say all types of weird shit. They're just getting repercussions now, you know, if they're getting repercussions. But shit, let me say some wild shit. I was here for it. I started laughing. I was cracking up. Um, So now we cut back to Bella and Terry and they're at a yoga class now. Mm-hmm. But Biagio is now blowing up Bella's phone, as he always does. And she's ignoring it. And when they kind of kick the phone away, Terry mentions, Terry asks Bella, she's like, have you told him? And Bella confirms she still has not told him what's going on. And she mentions to Bella that she likes it when they have secrets that he doesn't know. Which I'm I, like, mm, this chick is I, so needy. This was, this was a poignant part for me. I, this part, I was like, hold on, I want to talk about this. She kicks away the phone. 
she's like, oh, you didn't tell him good. I like when we have secrets he doesn't know about because we're running out. So this goes back yeah. to... This goes back to episode three when we were talking about the threesome and him coming out the bathroom when he was throwing out the stuff in the bathroom and she gave him a look and you feel like she was mean to Biagio. And I was like, nah, it's it's a jealous thing because she really didn't want anyone to know. Now he knows her business and she didn't want him to know her business. So she wanted it to be a secret between, especially with what happened ultimately happily, it would have been easier if it were a secret between her and her bestie quote unquote, or her frenemy as I like to call it, but couldn't be a secret because he saw the two dudes leaving. So she feels some type of way because she feels like she can't portray herself in a particular light. He knows her dirt. He knows her business. Okay. I got you. That makes sense. That actually does make sense. And she's petty. And she's, um, she's petty. She is. She's petty and she's needy and she's weird. Yeah. Um, but so now Terry is kind of like freaking out about the summit and she's asking her, like, what do I wear? How should it be delivered? Stuff like that. And Bella seems very calm and very focused while she's trying to do all these different yoga poses. And she just mentions to her, like, look, you'll be fine. Just smile through it. You'll get through it. It's not a big deal. Um, so now we cut to Bella back at Zane's flat and they're painting. And while they're painting, he kind of very awkwardly tries to poke and prod her about why she never mentioned to him that she was recently raped. And she's like, oh, you know, she kind of dismisses it. And she's still kind of caught up in the excitement of the fact that Susie Henny, the big boss, is Black. So she's like, you know, it's kind of brushing him off. But he continues to question her about why she didn't confide in him. And you have to listen very closely to catch it. But she initially says, I thought if we both knew you were a rapist. And he goes, wait, what? What'd you just say to me? Mm-hmm. And then without skipping a beat, she said, oh, I thought if we both knew about the rapist, it would change us. Mm-hmm. And I died because she keeps doing it to him. But it's so perfectly done, though, the way that she like is able to throw these little digs at him. Yeah, it's very subtle. It's <laughs> when we get to the end, I'm going to revisit all of these because, uh, Lord, Let, let's come back to this. Let, let's come back to this because we definitely uh, will. Yeah. Let's come back to this, yeah. Because she's planting seeds, but it's very unclear about like what her what she's really trying to get out of like throwing these little digs at him, right? So, um, and then she says to him that she finds him comforting and that their time together has been so helpful to her but you can tell she's kind of saying it very tongue-in-cheek like but he's just eating it up and thinking okay they're fine it's no big deal and so now this is probably the most uh painful part of this episode for me with Kwame at the police station yeah yeah. this really it was infuriating but it was expected yeah um so he's at the police station and now he's finally ready to report the assault that has taken wait 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 wait. before it got there some stuff happened Mm -hmm. actually uh, we see him for oh, one no, no, second. No. So we show him, yeah, we just see him showing up there and like he's like, I want to report a crime. Yeah. And then it cuts. Yeah, it cuts again. Yeah. Yeah, cuts to Bella. She's at the summit and she's outside. She's talking on the phone and we realize she's talking to Biagio. You think she's going to be able to fully confess? I don't know why she would choose this moment to do it. But <laughs> Outside the summit, right? Girl. Girl. <laughs> like you got to go in there you got to talk to people you got to schmooze but now you want to lay this on this dude and think that it's going to be a quick conversation it's not so she tells him that someone spiked her drink 
And the minute she says that, this dude starts yelling at her and blaming She's like, oh, you have to be more careful. You can't do that. You can't just, you have to watch your drinks. He's yelling, yelling, yelling. She's like, okay, cool. Hangs up the phone, walks inside. When she walks inside, she links up with Terry and Terry's like, you know, did you tell him? And she says, I told him like some of it or half of it. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she was like, you still, he still needs to give his DNA. So what you told him is not going to be helpful in letting him know that he needs to give a sample of his semen to the police. He's got to go to the police station and do this. Um, so they kind of just brushed past it, whatever. Yeah. And she didn't tell him and... she was raped either, right? So she no, missed out. Just like her drink was spiked. Yeah, she told, out of the three main pieces, she told him part one, but two thirds have not been communicated to him, which are the more kind of important parts. So, yeah, this is just going to keep dragging on and being a nightmare. But um, Terry's now, I guess, kind of like trying to psych herself up. Like, she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's about to be a glow up. I've got to do this. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. And give this, you know, reading at this summit. So mm. fine. We leave the ladies there at the party doing their thing. And um, we cut back now to Kwame. Yes. So Kwame is now in one of the interrogation rooms. He's with a black male police officer. And this is my first red flag. I'm like, this is not going to go well. Okay. So he's talking to this man. And the cop is asking him for some identifiable information for, you know, the perpetrator of the assault. And he's like, well, what's his name? And Kwame's trying to explain to him, he doesn't know his name because through the Grinder app, you're not going to get someone's real name and somebody's not going to necessarily identify themselves once you go to meet them. So all he has is his handle. And he's like, all right, so what's the handle? And, you know, he has to mention that a Tory man ate away. And so the cop now looks up at him and is just like, excuse me? And you can tell this dude is like super heterosexual. He's not trying to be helpful at all. He just kind of wants to write up this report and get out of there but it's just not going to work out very well and so now he's stating to Kwame the cop is stating to Kwame that you know he's not really able to help him because this is not really his department and you know Kwame could have just used the computer in the lobby area to report this so that way he wouldn't have to physically speak to somebody and it's like well, what is the point of you even being in here then sir like but why did you even come in here I to wanna, report I wanna, I wanna, he said a couple do. other things and I want to like pull them out because this is where you get a bad feeling and you don't want to, okay, let me not judge this. You know, this could be something, but it goes left, right? So a couple other things. We find out that the incident happened three weeks ago. So this is three weeks later. So I don't know if you noticed, Kwame kept telling him, he's like, look, I don't know his name. I know his username. He probably changed it by now. I have his address. He said I had the address like three, four times and the man ignored him. That's right. That's he ignored right. him. He was like, well, what's his name? He kept getting the guess. Like, what the fuck are you asking for his name for? It's the app. Like, what the fuck? He has the address. I mean, does a name help? Isn't an address even better? Because you know where to go? And he completely ignored him, talked over it every time. He's like, I have the address. He wouldn't listen. Right? And he's like, why don't you know the name? He's like, well, he's trying to be discreet. What does discreet mean? Nigga, open a fucking dictionary. <laughs> You don't know what discreet means? The same shit it means in a fucking dictionary. You're from England. Y'all speaking the Queen's English. That shit means what the fuck it means. I was like, what the fuck? I'm infuriated watching all this shit. And at one point, yeah. he also mentions, oh, well, what does he look like? You can't say he's black. Everybody's black. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I was like, what the fuck does that mean? All right. And I'm, I'm going to go on a diatribe here on a, on a tirade here. This is, this is the problem I have when y'all talk about blue lives matter. What the fuck? All right. Because oh. y'all put on this uniform and think that you have a blue fucking life and you're a fucking black man yourself. So what the fuck was that? Oh, you can't say he's black. You're all black. 
I did not like it. That was the case in point where I hate this blue life shit. Because y'all put on a little fucking badge and a little fucking outfit and you try to act brand new. And obviously that's not even America and they're doing the same shit. And I just hated to see it. Like, if I could have just choked him through the TV, I would have choked that man through the TV because I was so <laughs> irritated. And then, you know, while he's all flustered, really not trying to do work and just trying to basically shoo Kwame out there by being completely, by not doing his job. Like, you know, someone who's basically being incompetent as fuck to make you uncomfortable. When he goes out to say, well, I need to maybe talk to a more senior officer because, you know, it may not be my department because I need to know, did he penetrate you? Because there's a difference between sexual assault and rape and blah, blah, blah. And then Kwame's like, yo, well, you know, my trousers, you know, you guys don't say pants, my trousers uh, came very low. And he's like, he may have penetrated him. He's not sure he'd have to check. And he's like, well, how do you check? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. What the fuck is going on? All right. Because I had a real problem with this whole shit because Kwame was with Arabella from the beginning. And to see the treatment she had and to go through the process she went through, And to see this piece of shit officer and how he's treating him made my blood boil. You cannot act like sexual deviancy, sexual assault, rape, all of that shit only happens to women. And it's only a heterosexual type of act. That's not true. So for this dude to be like, I don't know what to do. How the fuck you don't know how to do? Because we've already seen that you guys do know what to do. And we actually complimented them from like a UK perspective because the way the treatment Arabella got in America, it don't go down like that, friends. Okay. In America, it's shitty, right? In America, it's more like this dude. Okay. In America, it's more like the, 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 the male officer, how we generally would go down, to be honest. But to see that juxtaposition is fucked up. And then at one point, the guy is like, you know, like you said, telling him there's machines. You didn't have to do this. Just discouraging him. And then he's like, I'm going to go talk to another officer. And then he leaves and the doors open and on the door. Did you see the sign? What it said? No, I didn't. Okay. So while the, the officer walks out, Kwame looks up and the door has like a little posted on it. Like, no, like not posted, like a eight by 11 paper. Like a that's piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. That says, keep this door closed at all times. Keeping this door open is putting people in danger. <sighs> So what's fucked up is that, because I watched the episode twice, that door was open the whole time. It wasn't just open when he left. The man had it open the entire time that Kwame was in there. And on the door specifically, it says to keep the door closed, leaving the door open puts people in danger. So he already knew what it was more than the interaction with the man. Like the entire treatment, mistreatment really, was based on homophobia and not taking him seriously as a man being sexually assaulted plus the consent piece because unfortunately you know the same situation he did say yes first it was consensual and then it became not yeah to your point this is why men don't really report sexual assaults against themselves because they run into these situations more often than not when no one's going to take it seriously so it's like why even bother doing it but what i wondered was detective Funmi obviously knows kwame she's seen him multiple times coming through to support bella That's who I would have initially reached out to if I were him. I get why, you know, he finally mustered up the courage and he went in and he was like, I'm just going to report it. But honestly, like, I would have just been like, can you help me to her directly and not even thought to leave it in anybody else's hands. And I kind of wish he had done that because maybe he would have gotten a better response. Maybe she would have just pawned him off to somebody else. Who knows? Maybe she only deals with cases with women. I don't know. But... 
this dude, this jokester of a cop, I so infuriating. Well, I did think I was like, damn, would it have been better if he went to his woman or like go back where Arabella went, you know, like, because you know what's supposed to happen. What the fuck? But I think, man, poor Kwame. This was just a testament. Like, I think there's a lot of layers to this part. One, the homophobia in the Black community, right? You have a Black officer who is really uncomfortable and it's a little bit more subtle than American, I guess, but he's trying to put like little jabs at Kwame until he basically says, you know, you didn't need to come here. You could have done it without a machine. So the homophobia and then you're seeing how it manifests itself with the police and how people's personal beliefs are impacting them not properly doing their job and this Mm -hmm. is to me parallel and a part of black lives matter all black lives matter so him being a black gay man his life matters and you need to do your fucking job and it doesn't matter whatever personal belief you may have do your fucking job and for the way he treated him dismissed him basically gaslighted him like it wasn't that serious is unacceptable and then even some of the questions he asked were just downright fucking inappropriate. So it was, it's bad to see, although it's good to see the portrayal because this is what happens in real life every day. Yeah. And to your point, this is why a lot of men are not going to come forward when they've been assaulted um, or raped because it isn't taken seriously. And that's fucking stupid. And the same way women are taken seriously true, but even it's exacerbated with men. And so that's stupid because, yes, men can be assaulted. And he came there, he had the address, and he wouldn't even put down the dress. He wouldn't even take down the dress of the man. He just didn't want to deal with it. Absolutely. He wanted no part of it. But I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see any justice for Kwame with regards to this. But Homeboy ends up walking out to go allegedly talk to his supervisor. I don't think he did. And we cut back to the summit. So it hasn't started yet. The ladies are still um and kind of the reception area and sean walks up to bella and asks her if she's dating zane which Mm -hmm. i thought was pretty interesting and bella kind of brushes it off and he's like no you know not really and then shane is talking to bella and she says it's difficult to protect yourself from his nature Mm -hmm. and they kind of give each other a look and a little nod and it's like damn did he do this to her too you know, you kind of start thinking like, what, what the heck happened between the two of them to where she's kind of like, you know, kind of putting up a red flag and like, be careful with this one. Well, I didn't know what to think. I said, wait, hold up, hold up, girl. We need more details here because y'all leaving it too poetic here. <laughs> this shit is a little too poetic for me. Gwen likes to be straight to the point. So there's lots of clarity because she did say that, you know, it's impossible to protect yourself from the nature of Zane. I was like, well, uh, is this some type of poetry, bitch? What the fuck is you saying? What what happened? I want to know. Because you just asked me if I'm dating him. I told I you. I mean, no. they are writers. Yeah, that shit irritated me. Because I need to know. And I like receipts. So tell me, bitch. What is you trying to say? Did you fuck <laughs> him? Did he fuck you? What happened? Because listen, as we've seen through this whole entire show so far, we're on episode five. There are so many different types of scenarios that can happen in interactions between sexual relations, right? So mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. Arabella had that interaction, who's to say like what happened with her and him? Like was it like what was it? You know, and like I'm curious as to was it similar? Was it a condom? Was he? Are you trying to say he hoes around? Like. What are we saying? 
happened with you? Like, I need to know, girl, did he, did, did he do what the dude did with Kwame? Did he have a fake friend? Like, in, in Italy, I need to know, okay? Because <laughs> I need to know details. Like, I can't, don't leave it to my imagination because my imagination is going to go wild. I didn't like that. I had to tell you, I was like, wait, what? what no, no, just keep talking. Stop, stop. Why y'all walking away? Like, I really was <laughs> upset in this moment because I said, I needed to I understand. I need more details. I need more details because her voice just trailed off. And then she wished her good luck. So this is some old British shit. This was not mm-hmm. an American conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because an, an American conversation would never have been like impossible to protect from the nature of Zane. What the fuck are you trying to say? Because they were looking at him when he was walking through the crowd with like, it looks like his mom, you know, walking around and he was like kissing babies yeah. and talking, right? So I just was like, hold up, white chick, something went on with you and him, Sean. Tell me. So I know, like, you can't just be doing that. I'm sorry. That's how I felt. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, what? Because now you're going to make my mind go crazy. Because she heard Bella's like strange confession there. So I'm like, girl, you know this yeah. woman just got, you just told you she was raped, blah, blah, blah. You, I'm assuming you don't think it was Zane. You already have an insight that she's vulnerable or has something happen. Like, don't leave that shit ambiguous. Tell me what the fuck happened. I mean, whatever the exchange was, though, Bella picked up everything she was putting down and was like, hmm, okay, understood. Like, they I had know. an understanding. I know, so, but yeah, I just... Definitely some, some highfalutin British shit, but they understood each other. I know, they so did. So you figure like, was that, like, I don't like this. I ain't like that. So if y'all don't come out and tell me what happened, but okay. But anyway, let's move um, on. And then he's also there with his mother, right? So you did mention that, but he's there and, like, it looks like he's with some older lady, looks like his mother, fine. And so it's at this point when she's looking at him, she has another little flashback at this point, from what I remember. And she sees the assaulter again, but it's her face smiling down at herself. So I was like, what the heck does that I even mean? I don't think mean? it happened at this point. Um, I'm looking through my notes. Did this happen at this point yet? Did it? Uh, not yet. It comes a little bit I later. Was, a little bit later. later? Not right then. Okay. It's a little bit later. So Sean wishes I it was her right before her and Terry's exchange. Okay. No, no, no. She Sean wishes her good luck, and then te- you see Terry starting mm-hmm. to talk about having stage fright, being nervous. Yeah. Okay. Then she yeah. starts talking about you know stage fright. She's like, stage fright isn't a real thing, right? So I'm like, you know, Terry, you work about fucking nurse, okay? And then B- Bella, because of this exchange with Sean, is big mad. Like you see, she's big mad on her face. Like you see. Like her face is stone to me, and then it fla- then mm-hmm. it switches scene to go back to Kwame, and at this point he's still in the station, and a woman comes into the room and asks if he's okay. He's like, yeah, and she just walks out. <laughs> she just walks out. A woman Shit. walks in. I don't even remember that. And she just walks out like a police officer. God, the door is still open boy. with the sign saying to keep the door closed. She just walks in. You okay? He's like, mm-hmm. And she walks out. Like, nobody gives a fuck about him. And it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And so then, yeah. And then that's, we cut back to the ladies again? Yeah, you cut back to, okay. the, the, to the scene. And this is where it happens. So Susie is on the stage saying an opening statement on the stage. And Bella's sitting in the audience. And this is where she has the flashback. But it's her head okay. on the body of the rapist looking down. And then she and Bella walk backstage. Smiling down, which I thought was creepy. Well, yeah, it's all it's all weird. Yeah, yeah. It's all wild. But yeah, so I guess, so now I think at this point, Terry's like, okay, I'm really not going to do this right now. 
So I don't want to do it. She totally backs out of it. And Bella's now forced to go on stage. But hold on, hold on. They said, did you notice there's one thing? I picked this up the second time I watched it. When they're walking backstage, right before Terry has stage fright and can't do it. It seems like Bella had told Mm -hmm. her, told Terry what happened. Because Terry's saying, oh, that guy is trash. I can't believe he did that, fam. That's what we hear them walking. And then Terry says she has stage fright. So it looks like at that point, she listen, listen, you got to watch this show so hard, man. So (laughs) at this point, it looks like she had told her as they were walking up, she's like, I can't believe that. You know, I wish you had told me. So it looks like she just told her that right as she was walking to the stage. And Terry now has stage fright. Bella has to go out. But before we go to what happens next, I want to I want to connect this to another scene. When they were in Italy in episode three, this is when, or it could have been mm-hmm. another episode, maybe episode two, there was a point where Bella had promised her, she had promised Terry, like, you know, if I get something, I'm going to let you read for me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, she's going to put her on. So this is Bella, again, being a really good friend to piece of shit Terry, who That's she, that. Terry's acting career is not going well. And as a part of her putting her on, she's like, you know, if I have something, I'll let you read. And so she did it, you know, so for even for her to step up in the meeting with the publisher asked for it publisher was happy because a black woman then here we are again having right before the moment where she's giving you the chance that you always say you want your big break you talk shit and you were jealous in italy about how does she have this blah blah she's giving you the chance she's not one of these people who moved is moving up and shutting the door behind her she's pulling you up and you say you want this and you're so jealous and you're giving this girl all this shade because you're jealous of her life and what do you do you flake. Oh, I'm scared. Well, bitch, is you not an actress? I Clearly not. <laughs> clearly not. I mean, come on. Like, Terry gets on my nerves. I'm sorry. Terry gets on my nerves because I'm like, you know, all of this frenemy shit you're doing with Bella. You're doing so much frenemy mm-hmm. shit. And this girl, honestly, is a really good friend to her. She really, she's putting you on, giving you a great opportunity. She didn't have to do that. She's late. This is something, a showcase, she, you know, is a part of her journey. She didn't have to do this for you. You're lying mm-hmm. to yourself, beating yourself up, making little comments. Oh, yes. How many people are going to be here? You know, I love an audience. All this shit you're doing, perpetrating in this event. And then when it's time for you to actually go there and do something, you can't perform, which is the same shit that happened at that beauty commercial. You oh fucked up the commercial, too. So who is responsible for your failures? Because you're jealous of Alarbella. You're pretending to be her before you get double teamed by these dudes. But you the one who clearly don't have the talent like that. Because you don't deliver. You don't fucking deliver. You know what I mean? So, I'm sorry. I'm not a Terry fan. No. No, it's all good. And we spoke about it too. The fact that she has no self-esteem. And it shows time and time and again. Um, And now she's once again just a letdown to Arabella. Left her at the club. Now she's leaving her on the stage. I mean... All she does is leave, but it's fine. Bella seems super focused. She seems like she's going to go up there and do what she has to do. So Bella walks up to the podium now. And it's not only Zane sitting on the stage, but it's some other gentleman mm-hmm. that I guess also writes for the same publishing company. Mm-hmm. And um, she thanks her agents. She thanks Susie Henny and the publishing company for giving her a shot. And she pauses for a bit. And then she goes, Zane is a rapist. And everybody's like, wait, what? And then she goes into the fact that he took off her condom 
while they were having sex without her knowledge, that he placated her shock while gaslighting her, and that she didn't even have a second to realize what had transpired after the fact. And then she states that, you know, he may well be a predator because it seems to be that she now has confirmation from another woman and obviously we're supposed to interpret that that other woman is sean mm-hmm. that he's done this before and then you see sean kind of whispering to Susie henny because Susie's like what the hell's going on mm-hmm. and it seems to be that sean's confirming it and now zane is totally shook he gets up from the stage and he starts walking down and bella keeps talking and she's like you know he's definitely a rapist he's not rape adjacent He's not a bit rapey. He's just a full-blown <laughs> rapist under UK law. She's like, in the US, he'd be rape adjacent. And in Australia, he'd just be a little bit rapey. And while she's going through this whole diatribe about the fact that he's a total rapist in front of his mother, no less, who stands there looking shocked, he's trying to like push to the audience. He's pushing past everybody. And he finally bucks up into Terry, who has her camera out, as everybody else in the audience does, mm-hmm. recording. Um, and I forget what exactly it was that Terry said to him. Do you remember? I can't remember yeah. what she said. But she said some little catchphrase to him or whatever. And then he finally runs out the building. So before we get to the next thing, I, I want to kind of break this down, dissect this a bit. So look, she's this is the most together, honestly, we've ever seen Bella so far. She was absolutely pumped up. As soon as she had that conversation with Sean, I saw a difference. Her, her, her whole demeanor, her whole posture. She was about it. Okay. Like she was focused, laser focused. She was she on was a mission. Focused. She was, yeah, she was laser focused on a mission. She was staring him down like the Terminator. I was like, okay. And so mm-hmm. when she goes on the stage and she says this, you know, she says it with her chest. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was dying. I was like, okay. A couple of things. I felt, I felt, ugh, what did I feel? I felt conflicted. Y'all gonna be like, well, I felt conflicted though. I, Are you? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what I felt conflicted about. And I, I don't know why. And, and, I, and I went through this a few times in my head. I said, one, she technically, when they were painting, could have really brought it up. Because she's been making like small little pot shots to him. Could they not have like really talked about this? And her to be like, yo, you know, what you did was wrong and let him know. Now, on the flip side, look, don't drag me, y'all. On the flip side, I was like, well, why does she have to give him the courtesy of that? Look at what he did. I, I kind of right. flip, I flipped back and forth on that where I was like, I also feel like it's also exacerbated by what she's gone through with the whole, I, I know it wasn't Simon who did it, but the, the whole Simon rape thing, I, I feel like is exacerbated by that rape that's there and then this happening is compounded so she's just reacting and trying to regain her power because Mm -hmm. her power has been stripped from her from the violent rape from this condom removal and so she's just entirely be a fucking victim you know she's trying to regain her power so i get it right i get it i feel like that is a very dramatic spectacle to do that. Also, being from the U.S., I am always afraid of uh, libel and litigation. So I was like, girl, you got to be very careful about saying shit like this on such a public forum and display because I'm from America and that nigga could sue you. You could end up in jail. So I just like to be, you know, I, I, I just these are all the things that kind of went through my mind when I saw it. And then the last thing when I was watching that scene when I saw Sean whispering to Susie, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you. I think it's partially because of some of the conversations I've had at work with white people this week in light of Black Lives Matters and 
stuff and things being black in corporate America and different things. I almost felt like, yo, we don't know Sean. Can I trust this bitch? I just like, we're assuming that she told her, so, like, I don't even know. Cause I just didn't like that. There was no clarity. That whole little preposterous poetic bullshit about, Oh, his <laughs> nature. I'm like, bitch, what happened? Cause you know, I'm about to fucking set it off like queen Latifah, bitch. So you better be telling me what I think you telling me. And don't make me fucking go do some wild shit because I'm liable to do the type of shit she just did. So I'm just saying that, like, yo, people can sometimes see you and light your fire. And so part of me, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what it is, just part of me, my gut feeling, because the whole Sean interaction and that and everything, my feeling was like, I don't know, Sean. How we trust in Sean? Sean's first question was, are you dating? I was like, are you jealous? Like, bitch, what is it? There's a whole dynamic with all of them that I'm confused about. Because Zane is supposed to be helping her write. We don't understand exactly. Like, again, he's the Indian babysitter. But at the same token, he's a writer on the same thing. So aren't they competition? So how is he helping her when they're both trying to get published or whatever on this whole thing? So I'm like, are the three of you competition in this whole book shit anyway? Are these people that you should even be around you? Are they actually trying to help you? Or are these people trying to fuck you over? I have trust issues in general. And so I don't Mm -hmm. just meet people and I'm cool with them like I don't so Zane I want to fuck him because I would need to understand more because when we talked about it we're like well how did he even get qualified to be her babysitter and then in this episode it becomes like oh well he's at that meeting too because he's getting honored at the summit so I'm like well doesn't mean he's competition so like did he know he was her competition like this was this a game like was he playing and is this white girl playing like I don't trust nobody all right. I have to tell you, I don't trust anybody. This, again, going with the conspiracy theories. I know I'm coming with my tin hat right now, but I just felt like I don't trust these people. And, I, and I'm telling you, even just from my own personal experience, I've just had some wild conversations at work with white people, Indian people, all this shit. And I'm like, yo, sometimes you're on your fucking own and people will light a match or some shit for their own agenda. And it's not because of you. And you knew she was vulnerable because she told a story about getting raped. And then Sean just put that little seed, but it wasn't, it wasn't real. She didn't really tell you what the fuck happened. So Sean, did you try to make me do this? You know what I mean? And then her whispering, I don't know what that was about. And then I'm going to come with one last suspicion. Yes, Susie Henny seems cool because she's black, but I have an episode where I talk about being the HNIC, okay? The head nigga in charge, the head negro in charge. And you got to be careful sometimes. We will be like, oh, looking at black people at the top as saviors and think that they're in it for us. This is parallel to my conversations that I keep saying about don't trust celebrities. I also don't always trust trust somebody because you're black at the top. Again, you need to show and prove mm-hmm. to me because I didn't know Susie's like, well, I want to see Susie's objective is to get this shit out. You know, this is her event. I don't really know like what this all, Susie may not be kinfolk, all skinfolk and kinfolk. Don't mean she's on Arabella's side. So yes, Gwen has trust issues, period. And so, yes, I am side eyeing every fucking individual here. But I got to tell you, I didn't feel comfortable when I saw a little white girl whispering to the boss. I said, Mm-mm, I don't know. She could have orchestrated all of this. I, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I didn't like how she approached Bella. I'm like her poetic shit that was very not direct. 
very indirect and not really saying it's call a thing a thing. I believe in Ayala, call a thing a thing. Okay, bitch, what happened? Because you asking me my business, you asked me a direct question. Are we dating? I tell you no. You start talking about subtext, bitch. Did you fuck him? Are you dating? Right? Because you came at me with a direct question and you giving me some fuzzy ass answer. And now, after yeah, I that, took it from Sean's mm-hmm. first interaction with Zane. When he shows up at the office, mm-hmm. it was so frosty. At that point, I was willing to trust anything that Sean was going to say or allude to. Because you could clearly tell that she didn't like him. She knew him. They knew each other well enough for her to have made a very good judgment call on him that he's trash. So I was cool with that. But I also don't think that Sean even works for Susie Henny. She said she worked at the summit. But is that Susie Henny summit? Or is she using... That's that writer's summit to um, showcase her writers under her publishing company. So I feel like Sean doesn't really have um, a game here to win it by letting Arabella know what Zane's deal is or letting Arabella expose him in this way. I don't trust her. That's what I'm saying. I didn't trust him. I don't trust her. And frankly, I don't trust Susie Henny. So you don't those, trust Susie either. Don't, I don't trust none. I don't trust Dan. Nobody. Okay. I don't trust anybody. And then the situation. And I think it's become it's clear through all of this, everything that's happened. Like you can't trust anybody. So I don't trust anyone. You know, I, I think Arabella is too trusting. That's part of the thing. Mm-hmm. And like you have to observe things and let people prove things to you sometimes before you can make a judgment. So I just felt like that. I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way. Like I was like, Mm-mm, this little white girl, what's she doing right here? This right here. She didn't actually say anything. She did. I think she, she said a lot. <laughs> she planted a seed though. She alluded to it, but alluding to something is not confirming something. True. But and to so, your point, this, these are Brits. And this is how they communicate. Well, you need to be very explicit about something like this because this is not a casual conversation. Like, this is real. And the context, the backdrop, is that the girl was raped and went to the police station that day. So there's a fire Mm -hmm. brewing here. You know there's a fire brewing here. And I think she added a little fuel to that fire. And I was like, I hope that what she's saying is what really happened. And this girl's not trying to two-time her and play her. And I say this because I felt it was a business context of all of this too. And so I said, hold up, hold up. Especially at work. We're talking about frenemies. Her best friend is a frenemy. She can't identify the terrorist frenemy. These people are fucking frenemies at best, if that's a nice way to say it. These people are not your friends. So Zane is her competition. Like, they're on the same label. Is Even he if competition? Not... He already has a deal. They both already have deals. Yeah, but if you're, it doesn't matter. So what are they competing You're still competition. For? You're competing for, for readers. You're competing for an audience. You know, you're competing for dollars from the company. If you get more eyeballs mm-hmm. on your stuff, they're going to put more attention and market you, blah, blah, blah. So even though you might be bookmates mm-hmm. on the same label, to me, it's almost like a record label, right? Like, yeah, these are my fellow artists on a record label, but you're still competition in the game, right? Because there's only a certain amount of dollars to go around and that company is going to pay more attention to the people who can produce more money, get more things like that. So it's still mm-hmm. an element of competition, even if you're friendly on the same thing. And so 
she shouldn't have been, and especially the way he approached her from the beginning, where he was like, mm, I guess everybody get, can write things. I went to Cambridge. Like, for him coming all funky from the beginning, let's not take this as though this is all good. <laughs> These, he was funky from off gate. Plus, he's fucking corny. Plus, he's not even cute. So I feel like there's a lot of things against him. And then this girl, we didn't have enough conversation with Sean for me to feel like mm, I trust her. Like, I need more for me to trust but, your word. And you need to tell me something. She didn't say anything. They were frosted. Like, that could have been her ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. They could have dated and it ended up, co- you know, cool. And, and Sean, I, I don't know. Like, I told you I have on a tin hat and I'm being mm-hmm. crazy. I'm not being crazy. I'm just making weird predictions. But I just... My spirit told me, watch mm-hmm. out for Sean. Like, I don't know. She's coming in here saying the very little, but doing the absolute most. That's putting the spot on Bella. And Sean can walk her away from mm-hmm. this innocent. And Bella still ruined the event. She still ruined the event. Like, from a business perspective, was that the right place to do it? Uh, was that the right place to do it? I think that from a business perspective, it definitely put the event into a very big spotlight with everybody recording on their phone. So I don't know if it got ruined. As they say, no bad press, no bad press is in, no press is bad press. Or what is, what is that saying? There's no such thing as bad press. Right. Um, so I, I mean, having this big reveal at the summit only made it more popular. But hold, but okay. The, wherever Harvey Weinstein worked or Jeff Epstein, <laughs> the employer is getting heat. It might have made the event more popular, but it's also for the wrong reasons. You're getting heat, right? And and the man was just like honored as like, you know, an up and coming X, Y, and Z. And then Bella turned around and maligned him. So we have to see how it plays out. We'll have to see, yeah. Ooh, girl, like this ideally could be cool, but this could end up being a can of worms and shit turns around on you and it's fucked up. So anyway, I know I just went into a whole bunch of tinfoil conspiracy theories, you guys, but I'm just telling you, I was like, "Mm, I don't know, like this was dramatic fun in this moment, but you know, actions have consequences and this is all business related. This just wasn't in the club and you did some shit. This was at a, a literary summit event. And, you know, she didn't talk, but she didn't read anything from her work. (laughs) She didn't read anything from her book. All she did was go up there and accuse a man of being a rapist. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I mean, I can't tell you I know what the appropriate forum is. I don't know what the proper forum is to say some shit like that. I don't know. But, but, uh, I, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. So I don't know if that's going to go over well. If we cut to the end, Bella's at the bar with Terry and Sean. And then they start talking about Terry's a gift. There's a meme of Zane running away. But yeah, yeah, I don't know how that's going to really play out. So, mm, Listen and listen. You don't have to agree with me. None of this is about agreement. I'm just telling you. When I watch it, and I watch it twice. I said, eh. especially watching it back. I said, mm, Sean, mm. this is white girl. I don't know what's going on with her. Zane, mm. but Zane, Sean's there with them at the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't. They're not a good judge of character. You know? So yeah. And Sean has not given. Sean's barely spoken any words. Nope. We need to peel back the layers of Sean before I say. Like if she was so nefarious, would she? Got it. I got it. I got it. Listen, um, I know you're always going to be like, you know, look for the silver lining. And you're always going to look bonding. for I know you're looking for the silver lining and get I mean, people's heart. Bella, I don't do that. A flashback or anything like that. So I know, I know, I know. But at least Bella's, Bella getting this out of her system seems to have given her strength to kind of, you know, 
move on, let's say. She's able to be at this bar. She wasn't able to be at a bar, you know, three weeks ago or whatever it was. Yeah, she has um, more confidence, right? It, it riles her for confidence. And yeah. That bar to sit and talk about the movie. She's sitting there having a beer. So now we cut back to, you know, our beloved Kwame at the police station and the black male police officer is back in there with him um, with his bullshit report. And at this point, it looks like Kwame's just kind of given up on even trying to file this and he just wants to leave. And he's trying to go through one of the back doors and the cop stops him and he's like, no, 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 you've got to come out this way. Basically, he has to walk through the whole police station in order to get out. Um, and he's like feeling embarrassed and just really wants to leave. Because you don't know, we don't see who, you don't know who he was telling it to. You don't know if he was out there joking about it with, you know, his fellow cops. You have no idea. So Kwame just is ready to run at this point. Yeah, he said he had to have someone escort him out. So I'm like, well, I took that as like, you are going through all the motions and doing the absolute fucking least. You don't care about this man. Let him walk out the goddamn back door. What the fuck is the difference? You act like you're doing something. You haven't been doing shit. So you need to escort him out? Fuck you. I mean, I guess he can't walk out the door because he get arrested. But I just felt like, damn, here you are going through the motions like, I need to protect you and escort you out. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, dude. You are trash. You are a fucking trash bucket. So I just was like, ugh. You know, I was just irritated by that. And, you know, after that... Uh, I worry know, about his mental health. Yeah, I know. It, it is going to be fucked up. So after that, you know, that's where we see Bella, Sean, and Terry at the bar talking about the meme and the gifts. And then it cuts back to Kwame getting a text from Terry telling him to check social media. You know, but then you see him, he's sitting on the bed distraught. Right? And, I mean... Yeah. How could he not be distraught? Because he saw his friend go through like a very caring process. He's been with her twice to the station and then take her seriously. And when she went in, she didn't know she was raped. When Bella went in to the station that first time after that whole thing with going to meet Alyssa at her apartment and retracing the Uber receipts and everything, she didn't know she was raped. It was the care and the professionalism of the police officers that walked her through it for her to come mm-hmm. out of denial and have to admit that something happened. Now, put that against him going there and being able to articulate what happened, having the address, and them not even paying him dust, like completely ignoring him, treating him like shit, not protecting him, not taking him seriously. That's, of course, that is going to eat him up. And then, you know, what eats you up more is that Arabella, yeah, she's going to beat herself up for doing coke or taking a drink, but she didn't know any better. Everyone was taking drinks. But what's going to eat him up more, which eats up so many people because you often know the perpetrator, is that he did consent to have sex with the man at first, right? right? And so this is now where people are going to victim blame you, and that's what the cops fucking did. Like, well, you did have consensual sex, so what's the difference? It was like, okay, yeah, we had consensual sex one time, but after that, the man slammed the door on, on his hand and then forced him down on the bed and he restrained him. He couldn't get up. So, yes, that is sexual assault. It's not like, well, because you gave, you said okay once, then it's okay forever. You know what I mean? This is also the same thing women endure sometimes when 
they try to accuse like their husband of rape. Mm-hmm. People exactly. try to make it seem like you're entitled to have sex with your wife. She's still a person. She's still in, she still has agency. She's not a piece of property that a man's entitled to have sex with his wife. And this grinder yeah. hookup is not entitled to have sex with Kwame when he told him fucking no repeatedly and tried to get away. No means no. It doesn't matter who it's coming from, what situation they're in. No is no. <sighs> I get crazy on this damn episode, but I just get so... <laughs> irritated and you know what it, but it's it's good like for for her to cause that emotional reaction it just shows a testament of mm-hmm. how well written and how well acted it all is bad wigs aside it shows how good everything is you know how well done this show is and i really do think from lgbt perspective it, it's beautifully done and now now i know it's it's ugly right because people may feel like well damn this is what we're seeing you know the hookup culture but it's real and we need to be honest that's a real thing and especially for me as an american the black narratives of lgbt that are more popular are bullshit tyler perry movies and yes i know i drag tyler perry in every fucking in every episode but it's it's a rightful dragging but i have to do so because it's so stupid like the shit is always the tropes are so stereotypical and awful from this strange closeted black man who's like at the top of the industry it's just so bizarre (laughs) it's so bizarre that yes i drag his shit all the time and yes i made a wig reference to Shamar Moore is bad wig number eight is Arabella. <laughs> yes. Okay. But I just want to say like, we don't see modern, more accurate depictions or more nuanced depictions of black sexuality, black male sexuality in mm-hmm. American depictions. We just don't see it. Like in American film, right. movies, TV, we don't see it. So for me, shout out to the Black Brits for actually showing something that is like, to me, way more legitimate than the bullshit that we be seeing over here. For real. Right. The only the only biggest I will give is to the show Pose. I haven't watched it fully. I think I saw maybe like one or two episodes in its entirety, but what they do on that show with regards to the LGBTQ community is spot on and they do a good job as far as American media goes, but that's the only one that I can think of. And the fact that that's the only one is just very telling. And that's also bad because America is way bigger than the UK. There's a lot more black people here and a lot more opportunity, right? So if there's the one nuanced depiction is that that's not good. We're one-to-one shit. So um, there should be more here. You know, all that to say shout out to Michaela Cole and, you know, the actors showing just realistic young interpretations of LGBT, Black LGBT culture and just seeing, unfortunately, like what happens with young people across the board. So, you know, I I think the show is excellent. But all of that to say, I'm acting like we're wrapping it up. There's actually a very important scene that we've not discussed yet. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and this is just another scene that just kind of like breaks my heart a little bit. Sits very badly with me. Biagio, he was my boy, but now he's really starting to piss me off. But um, so we open to Bella in her bedroom. And she's on a FaceTime or a video call on her laptop with Biagio. And he's basically yelling at her. She, He's saying, you know, you're fucking up my life because she obviously lets him know at this point he needs to go to the police station. 
and give a sample of his semen and he obviously does not want to do that because he is a drug dealer and your whole you know goal is to deal your drugs and stay out of the police's eye and once he does that then obviously he becomes compromised in that predicament so you know Bella's crying at this point and she's yelling at him and he's like you know if you had just watched your drink you wouldn't have been raped so he's now victim blaming and that's the last thing that you want to do and if he really does care about her which I feel like he does he's just going about this the wrong way and he's gonna end up losing her because she then says you know she never wants to talk to him again and she slams her computer down and has like a mini breakdown but as goes with Bella she breaks down for like a little bit and then she snaps out of it I don't know how she really does that for 2.5 seconds for fucking two seconds not even 10 it's not even 10 seconds and then she hops on her phone she hops onto social media and she starts seeing all of these like this outpouring of love from her fans for exposing Zane because now everybody's seen all of the different recordings that people were taking at the summit and it's totally blown up and um she uh she gets a little a little bit of happiness from that she ends the episode smiling at least so she went from crying one second to smiling the next. Oh, gosh. Well, she took a couple selfies. She took a selfie. It just, Jesus Christ. Like, listen. They do a great depiction of how ridiculous this generation is on the show. Because yeah. when I saw that last scene of her, like, breaking down because he was victim blaming her, shaming her, and just yelling at her making her feel awful and then for her to you know cry and then immediately go on social media and smile and take a selfie and a power fist to like post I felt like this reminded me of Terry kind of not really being into the threesome but immediately texting Kwame like oh I had a threesome I was like Uh, what the fuck is wrong with people you're also sending mixed signals here (laughs) what the fuck is wrong with it like people not even being in tune with their own feelings the the impetus and the seduction of clout in social media Mm -hmm. trumps everything it trumps everything everybody needs validation yeah other people it doesn't matter the grief you're experiencing the trauma you're going through if you get like a taste of clout it just trumps everything i'm like what the fuck (laughs) girl you started the episode fantasizing about him and now he drags you and you cry about it for three and a half seconds and then are going on the gram to post selfies for support like what the fuck what the fuck like you know what i mean and i felt the same way of terry being unsure about how she really felt and again i want to be really specific this is before she even knew that the dudes had duped her. She didn't seem to be enjoying right. the threesome. And before she knew they duped her, she already was trying to kiki it up with Kwame and brag about having a threesome, even though it doesn't seem like she was really even into it. So why are you not able to process and acknowledge and go through your real feelings? The thing that is the most important is to get acknowledgement from social media and other people. What the fuck is that? I know. This... I'm worried about all of their mental health. Probably Terry the least just because I don't like her. But definitely Arabella and and now Kwame. I don't know how this is going to transpire for these two going down the rest of the season. 
but it's it's definitely not going to be good. It's definitely not going to be good. And the fact, and you brought up that really great point about Arrow exposing Zane, but how that might impact her career that I didn't think about. So I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm hoping Susie Henney is just like, I'm going to just take this press and run with it. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Because she's still got to write this damn book. She still has to write the book. Susie Henney wanted both of these people on her roster. Right. Now you're putting Susie Henney in a position where she's going to have to cancel Zane. That's canceling money. Okay. And that means she's going to have to put her eggs in your basket and support you. And we don't know, maybe Zane was making more money than her or bringing in more different audience or whatever. Right. So I bring it back to the business aspect that like Susie Henney seems cool, but I'm not going to just fall into, oh, she's cool because she's a black leader. Nope. I'm not going to do that because when y'all hear the episode that comes out, you're going to know that I don't believe that and that's not been my experience what i've seen so i would again be like yes i'm proud to see someone black but let me sit back and actually see her character and her caliber like what this really means because you can just have a black face perpetrating the same shit that well it's not corporate america there but whatever just the corporations and capitalism in general are requiring because you know i'm just mm-hmm. looking at it from financial perspective Susie's probably like well damn you fucked up my bag like shit. Now she's going to have to do a PR campaign to clean up what's going on with Zane. It's compromising her. It's not so easy because mm-hmm. he was on the roster. I don't know if this is just going to be a win like we see it. Like that's just in the short term looking. But if I look at the bigger picture, I don't know. You know, I really don't know how this is all going to play out. Right. Susie told her to write about the rape. She didn't think it was the rape was about Zane, which it's not. You know, that's actually not what she was talking about, but still. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if she's gonna now force her to do that because she has all of the spotlight on her about being raped granted like you said it's not about Zane; it was about somebody else but do we now totally change the, the trajectory of the book that she was writing that she never finished and flip it to capitalize on this subject so and is she my... now going to have to relive this trauma to get this book out on this new topic from my american lens you would not be able to ask to do that because, again, from a litigious perspective, the only reason why she even knows Zane is because you guys gave that to her to finish her book. All right. So you're kind of complicit in connecting her with a predator. But not about Zane, about the actual sexual assault that she, like the initial sexual assault that she Oh, had. so put that in there. Okay. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Who knows where it could go with that, yeah. right? Because she did say she wants to see it in there. So I didn't get the warm and fuzzies about any of these people, right? Because none of those people <laughs> care about her. It's business. So one is business. Are the worst. Yeah. The editors, we haven't seen enough of the other ones. We've seen the editors from the beginning. But mm-hmm. we don't know what this really me- means. So I'm not going to just jump on and be like, oh, it's cool and everybody likes it. Like, I'm looking at, like, business and how business really works. Chances are none of those people are her fucking friends. So I could be have, a you know, a cold look at the world and Gwen is jaded, whatever. <laughs> But I'm telling you. Nah, Gwen be knowing. So exactly, Gwen be knowing. <laughs> if y'all listen to any other episodes, for some of you guys who just listened to the bonus episodes and just discovered the podcast through that, listen to other episodes. Gwen be knowing. I'm just telling you. I don't know. My spidey senses and my voodoo and my Jamaican obia and everything and my ancestors from Nigeria are all telling me that let's keep an eye out how this all plays out because i don't know i it looks cute in the moment through her lens and through terry's lens but terry's an idiot so yeah i don't know what's going to really 
happen. And Zane is from Cambridge. You know, he may have resources. And again, I don't think you guys are as litigious across the pond like here. But you got to be careful. This dude will sue you, girl. (laughs) He will sue you. You know? He will, but will he risk it? Knowing that other people may step up and confirm what Arabella says through their own experiences? That's if we can trust Sean. He's a punk. You just said he's a punk. We've been saying this. Well, I say he's a cornball. I didn't call him a punk. I say he's a cornball. He's just cornball. Well, I'm calling him a punk. Yeah, I say he's a cornball. I just... No, but this is different. This is reputation. You went to Cambridge. Your reputation's on the line. And if for some reason you feel that as you need to defend yourself, then people get nasty. So that would be the American lens. I don't... This is a British show. I don't... Y'all are not big suing ass people like we are here. So that probably wouldn't go there. But just from my American sensibilities, I'd be like, girl, you better be careful. Now she has some good things because she was at the convenience store. He he bought the pill for her. Hopefully there's CCTV and shit to show that. But I'm just saying... I'm just saying like you... I don't know if that was the best forum. I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying it was wrong. And I don't even... I can't tell you that I know what the right forum is to like blow somebody up for something like that. I don't know. But I do think there will be repercussions for that. And it's not necessarily going to be a kumbaya like stars in their eyes like Terry seems to think because she's a gif or a meme on social media. Because there are real business implications. God, because yeah, he, he, it was a business event in which he was like being honored. You know what I'm saying? So these are people well, who are honored. Him. Showcased. Not yes, showcased. Yes. So being showcased means that you you've been co-signed to some extent, and mm-hmm. for these, these companies that are behind you, they're co-signing you. So for you to now for it to turn left like this, you're putting those companies and their reputation, their PR at risk. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know Absolutely how it's going to turn on. out. I really don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm curious what's going to happen with the bi-curious guy, like the um the dude who was at the threesome and left. Well, it wasn't mm-hmm. a threesome. It wasn't a threesome. He was just, I mean, he's actually a cuck. A two-some and a voyeur? He's, he's, he's a cuck, as they call it. Well, he's a, a voyeur. Yeah, Is yeah, he a cuck? He's not a cuck because him, him and Kwame were in a relationship. I think you have to be in a relationship to be a cuckold. So just a voyeur. Okay, true. So yeah, he's just a voyeur. Fine. Again, that was suspicious how he came on the scene too. I mean, God, some of these things are a little sketchy how people come on. My grandma liked you. Okay. (laughs) Your grandma liked your class. Okay. And then the next thing you know. Spying on me. Yeah. And the next thing you know, like you're watching them have sex. And I would also would love to have the conversation about why he left. Like, what made him leave? Was it because he liked Kwame and he didn't like seeing another man have sex with him? Or was it, like, too real? I'm also curious what made him want to leave. I think it probably was a combination of both of those. That sounds spot on. The fact that he does like Kwame and didn't like seeing this dude that he wasn't vibing with um, from the start of meeting him, having sex with Kwame, and, you know, the fact that he just didn't see a place for himself to be there. It made him uncomfortable. He's like, yeah, I got to get out of here. It would have been nice had he just waited because probably what happened, the assault that happened to Kwame wouldn't have happened if he was still there. But, you know, that's what happens sometimes. Yeah, but it's not, you know, it's not his fault in the least, you know. he. No. It's not his fault. And, you know, unfortunately, probably if I'm thinking about this, because, you know, when you have these emotional encounters, probably Kwame might misdirect his anger towards him. And be like, if you had been there, this wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? And so he might be... You think Kwame's going to tarry him? No. I hope not. He... Well, it's not Kwame. 
tarrying him. It's Arabella who said that Terry... I rewatched the first three episodes. And when Arabella was falling asleep at the end of the second episode on Kwame's lap, she was saying, hey, we need to have a rule as friends that we don't leave each other, right? Because she was saying, you know, Simon left and she doesn't know what happened. So Mm -hmm. we need to have a rule about what you know friends don't leave each other because you know what happened in italy and then terry started defending herself i told you i was leaving i told you i was leaving blah 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 so arabella wasn't coming at her funny she really wasn't she was just saying you know oh we shouldn't leave each other which is friend code which we said ourselves about that third episode right i do think though with kwame not having any recourse from the police him not at this point not being able to feel comfortable to tell arabella or terry what happened him probably feeling some shame and guilt himself. I think a lot of times it's very easy to misdirect your anger and your feelings and your grief, your whole process at other people, sometimes the weakest link. And it could be this vicarious guy where he could be like, well, if you hadn't left me, I would have been safe. Who's to say? Again, this is my tin hat conspiracy theory. He can't go step to the Nigerian dude. That dude was stronger than him, which is why when he was trying to escape, he couldn't get up. That dude was brolic. He was, yeah. you know, you know, listen, he was a terrible man, but he had a nice booty. And so that man was terrible. <laughs> and so he can't go fight him. He can't fight him because the dude is strong and could fucking hold him down again. So he can't get any recourse there. He can't get any recourse from the police. So who might be the weakest link where, you know, if he wants to get his anger out or blame someone, it could be that. Because I think sometimes it's a part of your grief process. Before you can get to a point of accepting and moving on, forgiving yourself, mm-hmm. accepting the situation and moving on, a lot of times there is anger, blame. Yeah, and you displace things. And so I do think that he, when I'm just thinking about the whole situation, he may displace it and put the blame on that guy. Like, if you had stayed there, I would have been safe. Okay. That's just my thought. No, that's a good point to note because he definitely, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been so active to seek out this person to have this hookup with without the premise of Vicarious Guy being there because that's why he was doing it so they could link up so that he could introduce him to the thing. So no, I see your point. I see Yeah. I forgot about that. That's true too. Look, he wouldn't even found the dude. They needed to find a place to host for him, Mm -hmm. right? It was for him because... (laughs) <laughs> shit they need to play so yeah. i do think when i'm thinking about this if that vicarious yeah. boy comes back around he might get the business because <laughs> kwami doesn't know how to process this and technically he only approached that situation and that man for vicarious dude who bounced and he ended up being left there with the dude and the guy overpowered him and he couldn't get out of it so the only thing that I'm thinking that's missing from this episode now that we're talking through a little bit more is that so Bella in the was the last episode she took the plan B after that I'm wondering Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's prep but prep you take regularly for HIV prevention but I believe there is a, a cocktail or something that you can take after unprotected sex to help prevent the transmission of HIV. So okay. that's the only thing that I was thinking not that we're talking like was missing. I was like, cause she did the plan B, which she should, she should, she herself could be taking the same thing I'm talking about the damn HIV thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, damn for if for what happened to Kwame and the Nigerian dude, it would have been another layer. It would have been interesting to see like trying to get 
that medication for like unprotected sex that is available, I believe, over the counter because okay. I feel like shit. That's what I would have done in that situation. Well, I'm hoping he he did, but then he's also not sure if there was penetration or not. So I'm hoping that he just took the precaution anyway, and hopefully he's doing that. But maybe he doesn't see a need. I don't know. He may not see needs. He's like, I don't know if he did it or not. And I checked, fingered my anus, and the police guy was like. What? Like that police guy was trash, yeah. man. Just annoying. Just garbage. Yeah. So that was the only thing I was like, damn, you know, I hope that would be a next step where they would show something like that. Because, you know, just to kind of put the parallel to Arabella and the plan B. But mm-hmm. we didn't, you know, there's only so much time. But they pack in so much in these 30 minutes. Jesus, man. And we have probably another, I don't know how long the season is. I'm going to assume it's maybe like 10 or 12 episodes, but. You know, My we're only halfway through and we've gotten a lot. Is it 12? Yeah, she says You're not 12. even halfway through yet. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, no, this show is, it's great. Oh my God, I hope, you know, what the ratings are looking like. And I'm not really checking Twitter like that because the UK is ahead of us. But mm-hmm. I hope that it has good ratings and gets renewed for a second season because I think it's really good and it's a show that we need to see and it's really poignant. It's really honest it's, how it's, it portrays this stuff. Yeah, it's real. And I think it's it's one of the more honest interpretations of youth culture, millennial culture, sex mm-hmm. and relationships that we've seen. Absolutely. Because if I did not, not to do this, but if I compare it to Insecure. Oh, I think that's a rough comparison. It's not going to be an Insecure's favor. <laughs> well, it's super. Okay. Well, Insecure is Insecure. We don't always see how people get together. Lawrence and Issa have been together a long time. Nathan, how did she met him in an Uber? Okay. When she was driving Uber. <laughs> yep. Molly met Asian Bay through the whole Nathan she situation. She met him at Coachella. Yeah. yeah, but he was Nathan's friend. Yeah. And then Issa this season, we don't know the TSA guy. We don't know how the fuck she met him. Nope. Other guy she hooked up with in her was building. Was he a weed connect? I don't know why I feel like he's the weed connect, but maybe I don't know. I don't know. And also Issa and them are, I think, are supposed to be a little bit older than the folks on I May Destroy You. Yes. Yeah, I May Destroy You, they're definitely in their 20s, I think. I hope. If not, I'm wrong. (laughs) I I, I, I hope. (laughs) I'm like, they're definitely in their 20s, I think. I I mean, they, they don't really have careers. So it's like, if they're in their 30s, Jesus Christ. I'm concerned. I, you know, I'm assuming they're in her 20s. But Kat and Simon have been together for eight years. They could still be in their 20s, though. They could be 28. Absolutely. They could have met in college or high school. Yeah. Through college. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then, okay, when I look back, when I went back to the first three episodes, uh, DeRay's accent was worse than I remember it being. God. It was really bad. (laughs) I just want to recap that. DeRay's, DeRay's accent of being his American cousin was terrible. He tried to do mm. some, I guess that was a fake attempt at a New York accent in it the was. beginning. And then on the street, he tried to do like a fake down South accent. So I was like, well, what is this? Who are you and where are you from? And this is all bad. Like, this is all bad. And don't tell me, and listen, I can't say anything because they have a bunch of American actors doing terrible Jamaican accents and terrible African accents and terrible everything. So I, I can't be mad I can't be mad at you guys just using a Brit person with a terrible American accent, but I feel like, damn, like, I don't I feel know. Like that's rare, though. I feel like they're normally spot on in getting an American accent out of these Brits. Well, they wasn't this time. Well, 
They were. We got bad wigs and bad and bad accents in that first episode. That was the highest bad wig count. That was, that was the highest. That was five. Yeah, we, we've. <laughs> it's really filtered down, funneled down. Episode one had five. Episode two had the repeats. Three, we had two additional ones. This one, we just had the Shamar Moore cornrows. So <laughs> that's it. Shamar Moore lace front cornrows. Yes, yes. You know, it was like wig inception, like one wig under the other wig. Oh, That's it. it. Was the pink wig came off, and then we had the Shamar Moore wig underneath there, trying to give us braid realness, and oh. that was that was that. I mean, a whole lot of whole. I lot mean, of okay. I have wig. one last question. So, is that so? Do you go to if you're just having a wig? Do you go mm-hmm. to the hair shop with? the wig on and the braid i mean i feel like she couldn't take that wig off at home i don't know okay i don't know she wasn't at home remember she just bolted from zane's and Uh, was like i'm gonna just go get my hair done okay true 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 yeah and i was like that wig was a long time because when we first started in the therapy session and i think episode four that was seven weeks eight weeks after the incident the assaults yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to understand the shamar more wig are we saying that these braids were eight weeks that's why they look like that i'm just asking i'm just asking sorry i know i'm getting really technical with the hair y'all i'm sorry but But look black hair is a thing it's important damn it yeah we (laughs) it's just it's it's important you know and then listen i'm going back to that whole talking about three hours to a meeting i said excuse me where are you going she just slipped off that wig to see wig number two you can't go no place in three hours so I was glad to see she but cut off the hair. If you shave it off, then yes. Yes. Then you know, yes. Yeah, that did make it work plausible. Yeah. yeah. It it did. It did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it did it did make it feasible. So there you are. When I watched the episode one for the third time now, right? Because I watched it twice that first time and the third time. I finally mm-hmm. saw the scene where Simon she did and the Coke. Her, the coke yes it was very mm. subtle it was actually very subtle that's why i realized i didn't see it they were walking on the street and again if you're texting or anything you're going to miss it and he put some he took some out he put on his hand and she sniffed mm-hmm. it off his hand it was it was very subtle actually mm-hmm. it was a very quick bump yeah but yeah yeah so i i finally saw it and anything else i'm just trying to look i took the list of you guys out listen i'm doing this like it's a damn dissertation i'll take notes on my phone <laughs> i have to watch it through just to see it my first time and i'm going to do it like this it's my new formula watch it on tv first and then i'm going to watch it back on my ipad because i don't know something makes me feel like i pay more attention when something's on my ipad right in front of me and pause it and as i pause it through the ipad then i'm just taking notes on my phone mm-hmm because you're so used to when you're watching on TV to look at your phone and be distracted. So that makes sense with the whole iPad the second time. So yeah, I'm going to need to do that too. Right? You got to do it. You got to give it uh, two, two lookovers in order to pick up everything. Cause but yeah, because that script is so tight. The way she writes it is so tight. Like every yeah. fucking thing is a clue. This is asking a lot of American audiences to have people pay attention this much. Oh, Americans don't do that. We don't, we're not about that life. <laughs> I don't know if Americans are fully getting this. I, I don't know what it is. But listen, I will say, like I said, I, I've been looking a little bit at my stats for the podcast views. And it looks like it's going up. And most of the folks are in America. You know, some in the UK, but the majority are in America. So people are watching it. Mm-hmm. 
And so shout out to y'all new listeners. Hey, fam, how you doing? Yeah, big ups. And I'm sure they're turning to you to, to catch these little nuances that they wouldn't get that first, you know, run through watching it on their own. So big ups to you, Gwen. Thanks. Listen, big up to you because my memory's bad. But look, you guys, I'm a good student. So I'm really taking notes now to pay attention because when I speak to my sister, and I was like, did that happen? <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that. So and my sister is like 15 years older than me. I'm like, I don't remember this at all. So I'm like, okay, oh, let me rewatch this and pay attention because... I don't really know. But actually, okay, one thing I'm going to... I'm recapping all episodes. Second episode, when Mm -hmm. Bella goes to Alyssa and Alyssa's... to Alyssa's door. And Alyssa tells Mm -hmm. her that she thinks that she's been drugged too. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this, and I, I don't know how many times I watched that episode, but I didn't realize this until this time around. Bella did say, hey, Simon is the only common denominator here. You know, we both got drugged. And she's like, you know, I think someone got attacked. And mm-hmm. and Alyssa got defensive saying, you know, she's been safe fucking Simon for six months. And mm-hmm. she goes off onto this like rant about Simon and Kat and Bella at her door. She, she says it very lightly. But she says with a conspiracy theory about Simon being a rapist. So I didn't remember that at all. But she actually said that. I was like, oh, shit. So because I didn't know she had really picked up exactly what Bella was saying. But she actually said the words back to her. I was like, oh, okay. So it'll be. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because we haven't really seen Simon since which episode? Episode two. Two at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we were heard that he was cooperative and so was D-Ray. So I'm really curious as to what that looks like. Right. What does Kat have to say about all this? Exactly. I'm more curious about Kat. Does Kat even know? I think Kat's probably so paranoid now and she's got to be paying much more attention to what he's doing. So she must have picked up on it by now. Things going on. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want, I want to see Simon and Kat come back around. And then also something that Simon said, I can't remember which episode, makes me think he may not be Jamaican, actually. So I said, oh, 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 hold up. Oh. Uh-oh, I can't remember what it was. I said, wait a minute. I think he may not be. It's just because in America, the cool vernacular, the cool, what the kid, cool kids say in lexicon and slang is Black English, Ave, African-American vernacular English, right? When people want to be cool, they want to be down, they want to speak like Black people in America, African-Americans. In the UK, when you want to be cool and you want to be down, who do you speak like? Caribbean. But like who in particular? Jamaican. Okay. All right. So, okay. big us up. Okay. I actually, I can't remember where it was in my, I can't find it in my notes, but something else he said, I was like, wait, hold on. This man may not actually be Jamaican. It might just be that it is just a thing that is in the UK and Canada, actually. Because a lot of times you guys are making fun of Drake for like going into different nationalities. <laughs> like, you know, Jake, Drake is sometimes Jamaican, sometimes he's Dominican. But same thing with Canada. And we've already talked about it for you guys not familiar with this, but we did the Windrush episode. If you guys learn it, you want to learn a little bit more about kind of certain things that are happening at the Black, West Indian, Black Caribbean experience, there's a big population of people of West Indian, Caribbean descent in in England and in Canada. And so when people are trying to be cool, and if you guys ever seen Top Boy on Netflix, you Mm -hmm. see, you know, it's using remnants of Jamaican slang. So that's why I think Simon 
he actually may not be. Okay, okay. I could work with that, I guess. Me too. I mean, we know that um, Arabella and Kwame are of Ghanaian descent. Yeah. So, you know, I would assume maybe he is too. Who, who knows? But, you know, it might just be African, UK, then Caribbean, UK for him. Yeah. The, the, the slang, what people say is Jamaican stuff, right? Because you'll meet, like, mm-hmm. lots of people from the UK and like, well, go on. I'm like, shut up. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like shut up. Gwen is ruthless, y'all. I'm like shut up. God damn. Oh my god. So anyway, guys, I know kind of we went off of episode five, but I kind of went back to the old episodes to try to connect some of the threads after having watched it again and seeing where we are now. Definitely want to see where Simon and Cat fit into this Biagio is going to be fucked up because if he has to give a sample of semen or anything else to your point if you're a a dope boy and a drug dealer you don't want to have your DNA in the system right so that's the last thing you want and now she got him caught up with the popo with the 5-0, with the 12, as you guys are saying. So it's like, hello, I understand that piece, although he was totally out of line and totally insensitive. And so Biagio is on our shit list now. Middle Eastern Bay, Middle Eastern Boo. Oh, Biagio, why you have to do a story like that? You know, Maybe he'll redeem himself, but I don't know. I don't know. All of these things are unhealthy relationships and toxic. Jesus have mercy. Like, there's no... So bad. Words, I mean, the only good relationship right now seems to be the damn roommate. I don't know. Cause... Yeah, Ben's the only solid person. We don't... He's the only person having good rapport with anybody. There's no... Yeah, there's no... I don't see any good relationships. Like, Kwame may be in Bella, but not really. Kwame has a lot of his own issues he has to deal with here. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you would think he would want to do you think he's not telling her because he knows she's going through so much or does he feel like he can't trust her with the information like I wonder what his hesitation is I think she went through some denial right in the beginning mm-hmm. and but he hasn't well he did at first because it wasn't at until first, he but... yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't until she got called to the station and found out about the condom removal that as he was walking out that he googled Mm -hmm. it right Mm -hmm. so he had that i think there's the guilt of having had the consensual sex like right before it turned ugly Mm -hmm. i think think it probably she's fragile it's a lot for her you know it would be a lot sure but you would think that you in that commonality you would find some solace like hey friend i know you went through this and now i've went through it too and I need to like talk to somebody but to your point yeah she is still pretty fragile well in his in his understanding she's still pretty fragile I think now she's got a bit of empowerment but I guess we'll see how that goes down the line I don't know I I think I think there's also a gender lens he's being treated so differently as a man and we Mm -hmm. talk about him I don't even know how to I don't know how to even say this I I'm not going to say it's a I don't know could he feel like she's privileged as a woman and to have been taken seriously and I think that's valid he hasn't as a man and that is against the whole societal narrative of how anything works right Mm -hmm. I just think when it's a personal journey that people react differently and it doesn't mean that people are going to just 
feel comfortable saying shit. Like, you know, you just have to process it. Because frankly, has Terry even told anybody that the two dudes played her? We don't even know. No, she hasn't. Yeah, we she don't. definitely hasn't. Yeah. So I think when there's issues of like guilt and shame, people tend to try to hide them as a first instinct. Mm-hmm. And it just takes a while before people are comfortable to say something. So uh, I just think there's a lot of different layers, but probably just the guilt and the shame. And, you know, he called her initially and then he he couldn't say it. He couldn't do it, yeah. He couldn't do it. And after how he was treated at with the police. <sighs> Stupid ass cop. Maybe he might feel like, well, maybe they, I don't know. I mean, and then they, she wouldn't, right? But I also think when something traumatic happens to you, you're not in the clearest state of mind, mm-hmm. right? You're not like, you know, making the most logical decisions. And of course, yeah. Hence, listen, hence Bella going off at that thing. Y'all might be like, what? I'm telling you, I'm like, mm, I don't know if that was the right place to do it, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's the right place to do it, girl. But we'll see. And it wasn't, but she was definitely she was definitely priming him for it. So he was gonna get it at some point. Oh Lord. Okay, girl. Um, and so I just think, you know, he's traumatized and mm-hmm. not sure how to to do it. So I, I'm worried for his mental health because I'm telling you that I think about it. He doesn't have an outlet. He's so busy on grinder, like we don't have any backstory of him having like a relationship or anything like that and is it possible for him to have a relationship with a man is it because of his living situation with him living with his dad or seemingly his grandma that they may know he's gay but they have tolerated but he can't really have a man because you know the person he can't bring them around i don't know so is he just in this spiral of just chasing dick and then the guilt behind it right because outside Mm -hmm. of the police station when he was Googling assault, Terry did say, well, oh, you couldn't find anybody on Grindr. You couldn't match, right? So yeah, right. he, I, I just think the guilt and the shame and the trauma, he can't really say anything right now. But I, I'm concerned, like, that's going to come out in some way. It is. In probably a very toxic way. So. Yeah, it's going to come I out. I hope somewhere. not. Right? And Bella, but. we see how... You know, poor Bella. <laughs> Just poor Bella. Just poor Bella. <laughs> She's been through it. She can't get a break. You know, for one thing, someone who she thought was safe and you know, was given to her by her book publisher. And her therapist had said something about cuddle with people you trust. I remember her saying that. When they mm-hmm. were, when she was talking to Indian babysitter Zane about <laughs> what happened when she was painting, he's like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, oh, well, you know, the therapist told me to paint. She told me to do this. Cuddle with people you trust. And that's where she made, like, that mm-hmm. weird comment to him. I think Zane came to her and was presented to her as someone she could trust, right? Because it came from her right. book people. The book people are playing for therapy. So this is the fucked up part about all of this, right? Because although it's fucked up with Simon, it was through the friend, and we don't know this, the circumstances, it appears that whoever raped her was a stranger mm-hmm. and society has an easier time wrapping its mind around and dealing with the narrative of rape of being like someone drugged your drink and it was a stranger. And so, okay, you're a victim, right? You're a victim because you didn't know when you don't need better. Or if you're jogging and someone clobbers you over the head, okay, we accept that as a victim. We get it. But as soon as mm-hmm. it comes into 
anything where you knew the person in any respect, doesn't matter if you knew them, period, let alone were having some type of sexual relationship or anything with them, fuck it. That's where it goes out the door where, what were you doing? What were you wearing? Like, it becomes very, um, society does not know how to manage that. Because it's like, no, rape happens with unknown people, not with known people, which is completely false. The majority of rapes and sexual assault happen people you do know. You know, exactly. exactly. So I just think Zane came to her in that regard, you know, as a trustworthy person, like someone who should have been vetted, you know, within your sphere. And then he did that. And if she hadn't been working through the feelings of the, I'm not the big rape. I hate to say it, the big rape versus small rape. I don't, you know, the initial, the initial initial rape, rape, you know, the (laughs) initial rape, maybe her reaction and things might just been a little bit different, just would have been more clarity around it, or things might just been a little different. But again, not wanting to lose all of your power and like all the shit people are trying to strip you away from. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. She had to light his ass up at the summit. So I get it too. Like, sure I, I, I get it. Like, I'm not, I don't want y'all to be like, oh, she didn't have a right. Like, no, I get why she did it. I'm all, I'm just saying that for every action, there's a reaction. And this is a business context mm-hmm. too. So we just need to take out the fantasy that if they're going to actually do something realistic, there may be some consequences we don't realize because it wasn't a business setting. It's a solid point. So absolutely. This has been a long episode, friend. Yes, Gwen, it has, but we got a lot covered. Oh, I can't imagine what episode six is going to look like. <laughs> I don't know either. We'll see. This is, you know, but everybody keep watching. Keep following me at Gap with Gwen on Instagram and Twitter. Tell your friends, like, share, subscribe, all of that. Comment. You can tweet me directly if you hate it, if you love it, what we say. I don't really care. I'm fine. Can tweet me directly or DM me, and I'm happy to engage and hear your thoughts. I, you know, I'd like to understand what people are thinking because I'm staying a little away from the hashtag on Twitter because the people are ahead of us in the UK. So, um, but definitely share this, you know, and I think this is a great show so i'm happy to be a part of kind of talking through it and you know shout out to miss trinity for doing it with me thanks for having me gwen i hope you guys stick with us it's gonna be a long season i'm sure yeah i'm gonna be needs to drink more after this damn show so (laughs) okay all right well this has been gab with gwen i don't even know what episode number this will be by the time i post it but it's a bonus episode stay tuned for the next bonus episode next week peace